that happens. <clears throat> so uh, it's good to be here today, and I'm thankful to have an opportunity to speak to the adult class today. And um, I'm going to be reading from Second Kings uh, chapter four, and um, I feel like the Lord has a well. I wouldn't have brought this if I didn't feel like it was the word of the Lord for us today. So. Uh, I'm excited to be able to bring that to you. And I just really, in the prayer room, and just seeking the Lord for this, uh, for this morning, um, you know, I really feel like God wants to pour some things out for us and to us today. And um, we're going to be talking about giving later on in, in, the, in the service, in the main service. And I just feel like the Lord wants to prepare us uh, for that as he's been doing over the past few weeks. And uh, I guess, Count, this is the last milestone before, before that service. And I just, I feel the Lord want, wanting to not, to, uh, to really speak deeply to us. And I pray that that happens today. <clears throat> so let me uh, begin here by reading a few scriptures to you. I'm going to read from 2 Kings 4, 8 through 10. And then we'll pray for this uh, lesson today. <clears throat> And it fell on a day, excuse me, that Elisha passed to Shunem, where was a great woman, and she constrained him to eat bread. And so it was that as often as he passed by, he turned in thither to eat bread. And she said unto her husband, Behold now, I perceive that this is a holy man of God, which passeth by us continually. Let us make a little chamber, I pray thee, on the wall, and let us set for him there a bed, and a table, and a stool, and a candlestick, and it shall be when he cometh to to us that he shall turn in thither. And I want to speak to you today on the topic of preparing for a miracle. Preparing for a miracle. Let's pray today. Dear Lord, I thank you for this moment, for this opportunity, God, to seek your face and to seek your will for our lives and for, the, for, our, for, our, for this moment. I pray, God, that you would lead us and guide us today. I pray, Lord, that as your word goes forth, it will find fertile ground, Lord. Jesus, that we'll be transformed by it. We're hungry for you today. Lord, we're hungry for your outpouring today, mighty God. We're hungry, Lord, to obey all your will today, O oh Jesus. And we just pray, Lord, that you speak to us in a mighty way. Lord Jesus, transform us in Jesus' name we pray. And we give you thanks, almighty God. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. So in this story, we have a Shunammite woman who has perceived that she has been, uh, that she's been giving bread to a holy man of God. So this isn't just some regular man, so this is a holy man. She, this is something she perceives. So it wasn't immediately clear to her that she was giving this bread to someone that was representing God or, something, or someone who was bringing God with him. And whenever she perceived it, that's when she said, okay, uh, since he's a holy man, there's, some, there's something we need to do. We need to make some preparations. But the first point I want to make today is that right from the get-go we see a principle that's playing out. And this principle is such that when we involve involve ourselves with the things of God, we're going to recognize what He is doing. So here comes this holy man of God representing God. And at first, the lady, the Shunammite woman, is just giving him bread. But after she gives him bread for a little bit, she recognizes, oh, there's something at work here. There might be something holy at work here. See, our vision will be open to things that we would otherwise not have seen when we get involved with just simply living out kingdom principles. For instance, giving bread to the hungry. Sometimes getting our word from God begins with just doing what we know we ought to do. In other words... Not, not sinning, for the, uh, for the Bible says that when an individual knows to do good and does it not to them, it is sin. So just doing, simply just doing what I know I ought to do, obeying God's voice, can lead us into the next step. 
It can lead us into the things of the kingdom. So this woman did what she knew she ought to do. And when she came to know this was a man of God, she went a step further and decided to prepare him a room. This may seem like a subtle progression, but in truth, this is the way God works. We take a step, and he takes a step. We do what we know we should, and he stops to eat. God stops to commune with us, to speak with us, to move in our midst. We make more room for God. When we make more room for God, he will inhabit what we prepare for him. Another way of understanding what is going on with this Shunammite woman is that she has faith. She simply has faith. So what kind of faith does she have? Well, I would say the first kind of faith that she has is she has faith to act. Simply faith to act. Simply knowing what she ought to do. And so she sees a holy man passing by, and I wonder what her thoughts were about this holy man. It's like, once, once it came to her that he's a holy man, what does she see, what does she think that maybe his mission is? Why does he keep passing this way? Well, I might not necessarily know right off the bat, exactly why he's passing this way, but I'm going to put faith, action, and faith together, and I'm going to do something about it. And so she has faith to act because she feeds him at first. Then when she perceives he's a holy man, she goes and prepares him a room. And this, prepare, this preparation of the room, I mean, this is not just some little, little thing. People didn't really have a whole lot of uh, access to property and land and, and, uh, and uh, material wealth. And that's one reason why in the Bible it says this is a great woman. She's blessed. She has the ability to provide this for the holy man. She has the ability to act. And so she acts according to her ability. And so in this she has faith that acts, but she also has faith that envisions. Faith that envisions. And that kind of faith says, you know, I have perceived that something holy is going on here. And I don't know exactly what God is going to do, but because the holy is passing me by, I cannot stand here and see that pass me by without trying to grab hold of something. And so she envisions the holy breaking into her life, I think. I think that she sees, not only does she want to uh, minister to this holy man, Elisha, but she wants to have access to Elisha as well. And so she envisions that access. In what way? Well, by making and preparing him a room. So she has a couple types of faith right off the bat. She has the faith to envision, and she has the faith to act. The story goes on, and Elisha stays in the room and asks Gehazi, which is uh, his, uh, is, uh, well, he's a prophet in training, so to speak. He's kind of like his disciple at the time. And so Gehazi calls the woman to speak with her. And so they reasoned about what they could do to repay her for her care. Because Elisha comes in and he stays in that little room that she prepared. And um, so they're reasoning together. But she seemed to have everything that she needed. She was provided for. She had uh, material provision. She had enough space in her, or she had enough material in her possession to build this extra room. Uh, she, she was with her own people. And that's something else she says in the scripture. She says, I am with my own people. I'm not displaced. She wasn't alone. It seemed like she had everything. But... She needed something that she didn't ask for, but her heart wanted. And God so often sees what our heart wants. He blesses us. He pours out His blessing on our, on our material wealth. He pours out His blessing on, uh, on our relationships. And sometimes we might not even know what to ask for, but when God shows up, he sees exactly what our heart really wants that we can't even name. And because He is God and He is able to do that, the blessing does not stop. It just keeps pouring out because God keeps giving us the desires of our hearts. Even when we don't know them, God knows them and He just keeps blessing and blessing and blessing. 
And so we see this played out in, in uh, the verse 16 and 17. And he said, about this season, according to the time of life, that thou, thou shalt embrace a son. And she said, Nay, my Lord, thou man of God, do not lie unto thine handmaid. And the woman conceived and bare a son that that season, uh, at that season that Elisha had said unto her according to the time of life. You see, God had given her a gift. He'd given her a blessing. He gave her a son. Something that she didn't even know maybe that she wanted, but her heart wanted. And God said, well, and spoke through Elisha, man, you have everything, but there's one thing that you lack, that you don't think that you can have, but I'm going to give you. If we think about it, the faith she invested in feeding Elisha and then preparing a room for him to rest within was the starting place for her to receive this miracle. It all began there. For her to receive the miracle that she got from Elisha that I'm going to have a son in this time that I should, not be un- I should be unable to have a son, it all began with that faith that started with no- doing what she knew she ought to do and then preparing a room for the holy. However, as miraculous as it was for her to have a son at her age, tragedy soon struck. And we see this in 18. And this is a powerful part of the scripture. And when the child was grown, it fell on a day that he went out to his father, to the reapers. And he said unto his father, my head, my head. And he said to a lad, carry him to his mother. And when he had taken him and brought him to his mother, he sat on her knees till noon, and then he died. I can't help but think of the grief that she must have felt in this moment when something that was so precious to her, that she loved and that she cared for, And that she sat with this boy until noon on her lap, until he passed away. What she must have been thinking. I can't imagine the grief that she felt to see him slip away from her. Whenever God had done this miracle, whenever God had caused her to have this son. I can't imagine what it was like to feel the loss of that blessing. What it was like to feel the loss of that relationship only that it must have been immensely painful. What God gave the Shunammite woman was a precious miracle. He saw exactly what it was her heart wanted, but now this very miracle has seemed to die. And with it, maybe the promise of everything that miracle meant. And I wonder if some of us, maybe, are ever, have ever been at that point where something precious to us has felt as if it has died or perished, where we have set with something precious that God gave us, and it has seemingly passed away in our laps. But there is hope, and we're going to talk about that, that hope. But yet, here we see that the blessing seems to be evaporating. It just evaporated before her very eyes, and her love for her son would not allow her to leave his side. She stayed with him. She, can you imagine that? To sit by, and maybe we can, and maybe we can imagine it, to sit by and watch something pass away gradually. That's hard, to see something diminish. The grief, the sadness, the loss of hope, as the future suddenly disappeared. But the same faith with which she sowed in the beginning of the story is the same faith that caused her to exhibit what I call standing faith. In in chapter 4 and 21, we read through 23, And she went up and laid him on the bed of the man of God, and shut the door upon him, and, and went out. And she called unto her husband and said, Send me, I pray thee, one of the young men and one of the mules, that I may run to the man of God and come again. And he said, Wherefore wilt thou go to him today? It is neither new moon nor Sabbath. And she said, It shall be well. 
So her standing faith did not just cause her to go into the field and bury a grave, uh, and to grab a shovel and to dig out a grave. But instead, she laid this boy on the bed of the man of God, the place that she had prepared those years ago before he was ever born. Before he was ever born, the place that she prepared when she saw the holy passing by, and she said, I cannot let this chance go to just let the holy keep passing me by. And so she built a room, and in that same room here she has laid her dead son, her dead promise, her dead blessing. Her faith was not one to give up and die with her promise. No, it was the kind of faith to endure. To have the faith to envision God bringing life again to her son who gave life to him in the beginning. The one who caused him to be born. For where did this life come from at first when she was past childbearing age except by the gift of God? It was God's gift in the beginning. And because it was God's gift in the beginning, it wasn't... It didn't cease to be God's gift whenever it seemed to have passed away. It was still something God authored. It was still something God had made and prepared and blessed this woman with. And so she saw that. And so she laid him in the room. So she decides to do what she knows she ought to do once again. And she seeks out the man of God. She just simply does what she knows she ought to. I mean, that, that is it's simplistic in a way, but it's also so deep. To hear the word of the Lord and His power unctioning in my spirit, just give me an unction that says, Lord, okay, I'm going to do it. I know what I ought to do. I'm not going to disobey you. I'm not going to let the chance go by. I'm just going to do simply what I know I ought to do. What I know, Lord, you're asking me to do. And sometimes, you know, we, we know that God speaks in a still, small voice. And I think that there can be some bargaining that happens when we say, oh, <laughs> okay. So this is funny because for, for, it's a funny dynamic because for the children of God, even though His voice is still and small, it's like a megaphone. We really do hear it. We really hear His voice, and we really know what God's telling us to do, but we say, oh, He speaks in a still, small voice. That, that might have not been Him. But really, God is saying, I have something I want you to do. There's some holy things I want you to be involved with, and I just simply want you to obey. And um, when we do that, God blesses. And when we do that, we learn what it takes sometimes to exhibit this very same kind of faith that stands. This very kind of faith that endures. Because sometimes we don't know what else to do except what we ought to do. Yeah, maybe, well, maybe we also know, we also know that we could disobey. There's that option. We know that we can decide not to do what we ought to do, but that's... Can you imagine what would have happened uh, in this story, just by reading it. I'm, I'm not all the way through here yet, and I've just kind of started. But whenever, whenever he died, she didn't go dig a grave for him. No, she, she went to go seek the man of God. So, uh, in the scriptures I just read, some commentators even seem to think there's a little, a little callousness of her husband. Uh, what he's really saying in verse 23... In uh, that verse 23 is, you know, take the boy to his mother, and, um, and uh, it's neither new moon nor Sabbath, and she said it as well. So what he's saying is it's not an appropriate time to see the prophet according to the customs of the day. So the husband was, don't go see the man of God because it's not the right time. This is not the right season to go see the prophet. So you can't do that. Don't, don't go do it. And so some commentators think that was a little callous of him. But she replied with it, it will be well. She says, it will be well. Because she hasn't quite got there yet, but she knows what she ought to do. She knows what she should do. And she knows that whenever she gets in touch with the holy, 
when she finds the man of God, it will be well. She had faith to act, she had faith to envision, and she had faith to stand. What God had given to her was too precious to lose. How precious are the miracles and blessings of God in your life today? If we consider the attitudes of the Shunammite woman and her husband, despite if he was in fact being callous toward her situation, it is important to avoid an it mentality. An it mentality. So I wonder if, if indeed the husband was a little bit uh, disconnected from what, the, what her, his wife was feeling, if, you know, if his son was, uh, well, I don't know if I want to put it that way. But, you know, let me, let me describe an it mentality to you. So whenever someone is getting ready to have a child, we say, what is it? Because we don't quite know yet what it's going to be. And whenever we say, what is it? They reply, well, it's a boy or it's a girl. And then after they tell us that, then we can say, oh, what is his name going to be? Or what is her name going to be? And you see, we go from being out here, and this is it, to being relational. Because it's no longer just an object. It's become a person. It's a person because they have a name, because they are an individual. It's just, and it applies to, let's say, a family pet. All right? Just take a family pet, for instance. So we have a family dog. His name is Pogo. And so Pogo likes to bark sometimes incessantly. He loves it. It's like his, you know, it's like his favorite thing to do other than eat. So uh, he likes to bark. And so we might say, Pogo, stop it. Or... Will somebody feed Pogo? But maybe someone who doesn't like dogs or doesn't know what that dog's name is might say, will you make that thing be quiet? <laughs> or will you feed it? <laughs> will you take it out? So it becomes an it because it's not relational. We don't really have a connection with it. And uh, so I was kind of wondering what the connection was because this woman, the Shunammite woman, had this deep, very deep connection with her blessing, with her miracle, with her son. And uh, when something becomes an it within our minds, we're likely to have impersonal feelings toward whatever we have deemed as an it. It's just an it. It's impersonal. So, I, uh, I just really want to think about that for a second because words really do mean a lot. And I wonder if we've ever used it before in our vocabulary. But I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself. <clears throat> If the commentators are right about the husband, perhaps, as I said, he has an it mentality, but for me, there isn't quite enough information in the scripture to convince me of that. However, what I can say is the mother definitely did not have an it mentality. She loved her son with all of her heart. And you see, this is the same way we ought to love the Lord. If, you're, if, we, if you were saying in your mind... <clears throat> You would never have that attitude. Or think, of, or think about the last time that you talked about the Holy Ghost. When you referred to the Holy Ghost as an it. Somehow in the midst of life, he, the comforter, has become an it. Who we refer to only when we need his power. But I call on you today to remember the blessing and the miracle of the beloved Savior who is in our life, who is not in it, who is someone that is alive and well and has power in this earth, who works through us and who is living and alive. He is someone that causes good to come upon us. He's, he gave us life everlasting. He caused us to be born again as new creatures. And He is not an it, but He is a He. And He is someone who is precious. And He is a gift unto us and a blessing unto us. And a miracle unto us. And I cannot allow myself to let the Holy Ghost and the power thereof to become an it. No, I want to do everything I can. I want to do everything I can to please the Lord and to, not, and to avoid having an it mentality. I don't want to rely on Him just when I need His power. 
No, I want to break bread with him. I want to, I want to have relationship with him. I want to meet him in the room that's been prepared. And I want to talk with him. Hear from him. Seek after him. The Holy Ghost is the comforter of the living God. Jesus of Nazareth walking in our lives, living in our hearts, quickening our bodies unto life in the new birth. If you feel far from God today, finding God begins with seeing Him as more than an it, but a He, but but the Master, the Lord of glory, your Savior. This was the attitude of the Shunammite woman who saw her son through a lens of love and not an it mentality. So she went to journey after Elisha. And whenever we have that same mentality, not an it mentality, when we avoid that, we'll take our journey. Whenever we need God, whenever we need to find the holy, we'll gladly take our journey. When we know what we ought to do, we'll take our journey. So 2 Kings in 20, uh, 4 and 25, we continue reading the story. So she went and came unto the man of God to Mount Carmel. And it came to pass, when the man of God saw her afar off, that he said to Gehazi, his servant, Behold, yonder is that Shunammite. Run now, I pray thee, to meet her, and say unto her, Is it well with thee? Is it well with thy husband? Is it well with the child? And she answered, It is well. It is well. In that moment when she saw that holy man standing before her, I can't imagine that she knew exactly what was going to happen next. But she knew that she had found the holy. That she had found her answer. That God God used Elisha as a prophet. And that she could meet with God through Elisha. It was no longer it will be well. It was it will it is well. And we see that in this verse and I'm struck by the faith of this in this uh, from this woman or in this woman as earlier we read that she prepared for her journey where she had said that it was going to be good but now she said it is. This plays out in our daily lives. We know exactly what we need to do most of the time and that usually boils down to just pray. Sometimes it's just getting into those holy places. Just communing with God. I can't tell you how many times my soul is just needed to, to find a quiet place and just meet with the Lord. Where my eyes can, can, can see the holy before me. In those quiet places, in those holy places. In the room that's been prepared for God. Whenever I get on my knees and my soul has been craving communion with God and I, or, uh, or to, to speak with God and I finally get into that place. Anything is possible. Anything. And I go from it will be well to it is well. It is well. It is well. Communicating with God about whatever is on our minds is important. Many of us here likely know the feeling of taking our cares to God. And as soon as we enter into His presence... We have that same reaction. Amen. And there is still more to talk about today, but I wonder if there is something you need to bring into the presence of God. Has there been grief in your life? Have you felt like a promise has died? Do you have a desire in your heart today that you haven't yet asked God for? Bring that right now into His presence. You found the one who cares for you, who loves you, who wants good for you. And I want to speak it to you right now and to every one of your eyes. If I could, I don't have that many eyes. But I want to tell you, it is well. It is well. Can we just lift our hands right now? I just feel it. Oh, Lord Jesus. 
Lord, we know, God, that all we need is just to be found in Your presence. And whenever we are, God, whenever we find You there, our souls, Lord, they proclaim it is well. We trust You today, God. We have faith in You, O Lord, that You are the one God that knows everything that we need. Jesus, even before we get there, I praise You today, Jesus. I praise You today, Jesus. It is well with us, dear God. Maybe you have laid eyes upon Jesus today, the one who can help you, but you're not quite sure what to do next. I'm sure this woman was in the same place. She knew it was well because she had found the one who could help her before, whenever God gave her a miracle of childbirth. But now we see something happen here in verse, 20, in verse 27. And when she came to the man of God... To the hill, she caught him by the feet. But Gehazi came near to thrust her away. And the man of God said, Let her alone, for her soul is vexed within her. And the Lord hath hid it from me, and hath not told me. And I just find it incredibly striking that she caught him by the feet. You see, her husband was worried about her just going to see him. But, she, but here, she didn't just go to see him, but she, she went to grab hold of him. She went to grab hold of his feet. And sometimes we're not going to do, know what else to do next but to go forward. And Brother Gene last Wednesday spoke to us about not shrinking back. This woman didn't shrink back. No, she pushed forward and she grabbed the ankles. She grabbed the feet of the prophet. She had a need. Something she loved had died. And all she knew to do was find Elisha and just hold on. And let me tell you, sometimes that enduring faith is the only thing that is going to get you through your circumstance. Enduring faith that says, I'm going to find Jesus. I'm going to find His will. I'm going to find Him and I'm not going to let go. That's sometimes the only thing that's going to help us get through. And whenever we find that holy, that holy thing, whenever we find God, we need to rush as quick as we can and grab hold of Him and just hold on. Just hold on and endure. Don't let go. Push forward. Push forward. Enduring faith. Enduring faith that says, I'm going to find Jesus. Amen. Hold on and push through. Do not relent because the one who brought to pass the miracle in the beginning is the one who will cause the miracles of tomorrow to come to pass. God responds to this kind of faith. I don't know if you realize it, but this was great faith. Her faith to see a prophet at this time. Her faith, uh, her faith to actually lay hold of the prophet broke all kinds of social barriers. All kinds of them. So there were barriers in place in that age it wasn't, just not, it, it wasn't just wrong to go see the prophet at this time, but let, a whole, let alone grab hold of him? Man, that's way out there. But in the Gospels, we see Jesus caring for the needs of individuals over uh, heeding the social laws of the day and doing a miracle on the Sabbath. So I pray for great faith today that causes walls to fall, that causes barriers to be broken, both in the physical and in the spiritual the kind of faith that sees something happen in the spiritual world and instead of just letting it pass us by, it says, I'm going to grab hold of that miracle. I'm going to grab hold of that blessing and I'm just going to hold on to wherever, wherever, that, wherever you go, Jesus. I'm just going to hold on. Just like this woman. And the story continues in verse 30. And the mother of the child said, As the Lord liveth and as thy soul liveth, I will not leave thee. And he arose and followed her. And this is another interesting thing that happens because not only did she hold on, but she held on and she did not leave him. And that's what I was talking about. That's what I just made a mention of. She went with him once she grabbed hold. She didn't let him go. She didn't let him out of her sight. And sometimes we have to be that, is that the right word? I was going to say dogged in our pursuit. To just put everything on the line and to just not only find him not only take our journey to find the holy not only our journey to find where the miraculous is but to hold on and stay with him 
not leave his side. Once you find what you're looking for, once we go to the Lord in prayer in our prayer room and our eyes see what we're looking for, don't leave. Don't let the don't let your you know, there's a lot of times I was going there's a lot of times where I've been in the prayer room and I felt physically tired and I almost just got up and and I and I walked out the door, but I held on. And because I held on and I said, "Lord, there's something too holy for me to leave here." There's something too great for me to leave here, God. God poured out his blessing. God poured out exactly what I needed. I didn't leave him. And today I'm still following him from the things that God showed me in a prayer room. I'm still following and holding on and being strengthened in my faith from the times that I stayed in a prayer room and I did not let go of what I saw. And even now, I have a vision that I haven't let go of. Even now, I have words from God that I haven't let go of because I heard from Him in that time and I haven't left His side. Don't leave His side today. Don't leave the words of God. Don't, wor- don't leave what He poured out in your life today. And we continue on in the last portion of this scripture and I'm just going to read it all here. And Gehazi passed on before them and laid the staff upon the face of the child, but there was neither voice nor hearing. Wherefore he went again to meet him and to hold him, saying, The child is not awakened. And so Gehazi, who is Elisha's disciple, Elisha told him, Take my staff and go lay it on the child. Don't greet anyone as you go. Have singleness of mind, Gehazi. Don't greet, it, don't greet anyone, just go, lay, it on, lay my staff on the child. So that's what he went to do. And Elisha and, and the uh, Shunammite woman, they traveled together. So his staff went before them. And when Elisha was come into the house, behold, the child was dead and laid upon his bed. And he went in therefore and shut the door upon them twain and prayed unto the Lord. And he went up and lay upon the child and put his mouth upon his mouth and his eyes upon his eyes and his hands upon his hands. And he stretched himself upon the child and the flesh of the child waxed warm. Then he returned and walked in the house to and fro and went up and stretched himself upon him. So this is the second time he stretched himself upon the child. And the child sneezed seven times, and the child opened his eyes. Sometimes when we see a miracle, or the sign of a miracle, we just need to stick with what we know, what, with what we know works. That's what I see in this scripture. I see Elisha laying himself upon the child, so he waxed warm. The child waxed warm. Sometimes we can get into that place where we can see something beginning to happen, just like I was talking about the prayer room. We can see, and this is playing out throughout all of this story, we can see something beginning to happen. We can see what was lifeless, get some warmth to it. But I want to tell you, whenever you started seeing the warmth start coming to whatever you needed, don't stop doing what you were doing. Don't stop. Amen. Don't stop doing what you know you ought to do and what you started to do. Because God is not done. What is starting to be warmed, what is starting to stir, God is going to cause to spring forth. And it's going to come up and it's going to arise. We just have to keep doing what we know we ought to. We just have to keep doing what we know works. So if you've been needing a breakthrough and you've been praising, keep praising God. If you've been seeking the Lord for a miracle in in prayer, keep praying. If you've, been, if you've been giving, keep giving, because God is going to continue to open the doors if we just keep doing what we know we need to do and what we know works. Amen. If you believe it, why don't you give the Lord a hand clap of praise? This kind of, this kind of faith is standing faith. The kind of faith that endures when we feel wind blow and the miraculous move. It's time, and, and we know it's time to do what we know will work. It's time to pray. It's time to claim His promises. It's time to praise God. It's time to sacrifice. 
maybe we will be in a similar position where the body where the body of the boy grows warm perhaps we will see sign of life in places we thought were dead but when we see that happen it's time to just plant our feet in the place and keep doing what we know to do it's time to pray it's time to worship it's time to seek his face it's time to keep journeying it's time to keep enduring it's time to keep envisioning It's time to keep acting. Verse 36, and he called Gehazi and said, Call the Shunammite. And so he called her, and when she was come in unto him, he said, Take up thy son. Take up thy son, he is alive. What a rejoicing there must have been for that mother. What a rejoicing. But I just want to draw a couple more points out here before we conclude and I just want to draw your attention to this, that in verse 21, it says that she went up and laid him, her boy, who was dead, on the bed of the man of God and shut the door upon him and went out. So she took her boy and laid him on Elisha's bed. She went back to a place that she had built for this man of God. She went back to a place that she had prepared. And in the beginning of the story, we see this being played out. And she, in the sense that she laid the boy on the bed of the prophet in the room that she prepared for him, which in turn became the very place where she received the resurrection of her son. If you've experienced loss today, the faith you sowed in the beginning is the same kind of faith that will bring about the miracle for today. Throughout this story, there was always an action by an individual before God acted. And if we are going to see the miracle, the blessing, or the promise, or whatever may be that has died in our lap arise to life again, we must act by faith. Act by faith in the likeness of when you first believed and God provided. Act by faith in the likeness of when you asked and you received. Act by faith in the likeness of when you travailed and God broke through for you. The same way you prepared for a miracle at the beginning, even so, prepare now for a miracle is in the present. Even so, prepare now for a miracle is in the present. Whatever you began with, where you saw God start pouring out, go back to that place. This is the only time you can move forward by going back. Going back to the places of faith where God provided at the first in order to get a vision for what God was going to do in the present and future. Why? Because I know that my God is exceeding and abundantly above all and able to provide for us beyond our imaginations and what we can conceive. And so if I go back to that place of faith that only began with doing what I knew I ought to do, and I was too, and, and I didn't want to see the holy pass me by, and so I prepared a room, maybe it's time to bring what we feel needs resurrected into that place of faith. And we say, God, you're the one who caused this to be birthed in his time, Lord, or to be born. And Lord, I believe now in you to cause it to be resurrected. I believe in you, Jesus, to cause new life to enter into this and to become greater than it was. To become more than just a boy, but to become a man and to extend the family and to become greater than it was ever going to be. Because that was what was going to happen. That boy, he wasn't just going to raise up and remain a boy. He was going to raise up and become a man. A man who would possess land. A man who would possess blessings from God. A man who would have a family. It was going to be greater on the other end. So this is my last point that I want to make. And I'm getting pretty close to time here. But I want to speak to you 
what we've been hearing lately, that God goes before you and behind you. And that's exactly, and you know what, I'm just, I don't have time to go through the rest of that. But So this is, this is what I want to speak to us, uh, what I feel the Lord wants to speak to us. That the Lord began by going before us. And we saw that there was something holy at work. And so we made an altar, and we made space within our lives. We cleared our lives out and presented ourselves before God. This was our first step of faith, where God began to cause blessing to be born in our lives. But during that time, and even so, that happens, that happens uh, in living out our life for God, that things happen where we begin maybe to feel a little diminished or we lose sight of the vision, or we lose sight of the promise or the blessing. And I just want to speak to you today that if you're there, if you're feeling, um, if you're feeling uh, unsure of what's going to happen next, because um, you know maybe maybe we've we're not we're having trouble envisioning. I just I just want to encourage you to bring that to the place of faith in the beginning, and say, Lord. Whatever you did in my life at the first, whether it was a financial blessing, whether it was a blessing in my spirit, or whether it was a blessing in my family, I'm going to bring that back to you into this place, and I want you to just sow resurrection life into it and cause it to live again in a powerful way in my life. Cause it to be more than what it, ever, than what it was. And in that sense, God begins by giving us something, and then He comes on the other side, whenever we need it to be resurrected, and he causes it to spring up. So, my last point that I wanted to get to was we can't ascribe an it, an it mentality to the church. So we can ascribe an it, an it mentality to many things in our lives. We can even do it to the Holy Ghost, but let's not ascribe it to the, to the church. Because the church is much more than a building. It's much more than an it. No, it's the bride of Christ. It's a place, it's Mount, it's a place where people come and receive hope. It's a place, uh, it's a house of prayer. It is a place where we meet with God together and worship Him. It's much more than an it. And in this place is resurrection life. Resurrection life. You know, Paul was persecuted and Christians were persecuted because resurrection, the power of the resurrection is a central tenet of Christianity, of, of our doctrine, that has been hated throughout the centuries because of how powerful the resurrection life is. We were utterly transformed. God did a miracle within us and gave us something so powerful that whenever we die and we get buried, the earth will not hold us. No grave can contain us because Jesus is within us. And we will arise again. And when the resurrection life is in us, it has a way of splashing out. And maybe we might encounter our own situation with God who is in us and by simply doing what we know we ought to do, worshiping, praying, sacrificing, this resurrection life is just going to pour out and splash out. And we're going to see things spring up that's greater than what it was or that maybe we thought it was going to be. So I, wanna, I just want to encourage you today not to forget the places of beginning. Not so much, because you see, and I just want to clarify, that if we go backwards because of faithfulness, we'll be swallowed up. But if we go back in faith to get a new vision, or to get encouragement, or to get a miracle, sometimes that's what it takes. And I just want to tell you a real quick story. There was one night in St. Louis that I was spending some time with a young man, and he was having trouble in his life having a lot of difficulty, felt like everything was against him. And indeed, a lot of things had happened. He had a lot of tragedy, had a lot of loss in his life. But he started talking about his first experience with the Lord, and I'll never forget this. And I said, you know, why don't you tell me a little bit about that? What, you know, 
and I, I was just following the Lord. I had no idea what I was doing at this point. I was just listening to God. And I said, you know, uh, why don't you just tell me a little bit about that? What was that like? And he started telling me this, this story of deliverance, of how he was in a prayer, prayer meeting, and he was wrestling with some spirits. And before he knew it, uh, he, he had asked God to come into his life and to surrender all of his deeds, and God filled him with the Holy Ghost. And he said, oh, everything was gone. I was totally liberated and, and, and freed. And I said, well, what happened next? He said, well, then I went to go get baptized. And I said, well, why don't you tell me about that experience? And he started telling me about it. And he said, you know, I'll never forget that whenever they took me under and brought me up the way that felt. And as he was telling me that, the freedom that he started experiencing, the Holy Ghost moved in there. And I said, you know what? I feel the Holy Ghost right now in a powerful way. And God just moved. And we had, a, we had a meeting right there with God. Because we started going back to the place of, first of, of faith and what it took. The place of surrender. And the room that he prepared at that day was the room that he entered in that night. And God came in and said, don't forget my freedom. Don't forget my liberty. Don't forget my power. Don't forget my voice. There's more for you and the desires of your heart, I know. There's more for you. And in that moment, I felt that peace that says, it is well. Can we stand today? I believe that we're going to see God not only do things once more in our lives, but do greater. And I just pray that we can receive the mindset of it is well today. Knowing that whenever we take what we're suffering with, our mourning, our grief, and we take it to that room that we first prepared, that God will cause it to arise again. Let's just pray today in closing. Dear Lord Jesus.